going to start a series. I'm a little bit scared about this one. Uh, I think I might go out of my depth, especially tonight. So you've got to be kind, okay? And I want to ask you, just stick with me to the end, okay? Stick with me. Don't get offended early. There'll be plenty of time to get offended later. So just hold off. And I'm going to go somewhere probably where, I don't know, where angels might fear to tread. And in this series, I want to do a bit of that. I want to do a bit of that because I want to touch on like some issues in our society that, that uh, I don't think are particularly new, but they might seem new. So that's sort of where I'm going to go with this new series. And uh, uh, just before I do start, Pastor Sue wants to say hello. I was talking to her this afternoon. She is in Sydney and... Uh, and so she wanted to say hello, and she's gonna, she said she was going to join us online. And then she, she said, I'm going to be with you tonight. Who's preaching? I said, me. She said, oh, I might get there. I might. <laughs> so she'll give, give me a shout out in the comments, honey, and uh, that'd be great. Okay, here we go. We're going to get into it. You know what? In a media, and I'm going to stick with my notes a bit because I don't want to get too lost on this one. I'm going to get in enough trouble staying with my notes, let alone getting lost. But... Uh, You know, in a media-saturated, advertising-driven society, I don't know, have you noticed that things really pull at you? They, like, pull at you. It's amazing how you can, like, wake up happy and then by morning tea you feel like you've got a big need in your life for something. And it's actually the power of advertising often. Have you noticed that even now entertainment is infomainment, um, infotainment, you know, infomainment. Um, but even like reality TV, it started off as reality TV, but now it's just advertising. Like if you want to sell fishing rods, what do you do? You, you do a fishing show. That's what you do. Everything, everything is just turned into a means to sell things, which means there's just so many voices clamoring for our attention and trying to get us to buy, get us to buy in on some level. And I think our society, it's almost exhausted so many different ways. It's used sex to sell. It's used noise to sell, bright lights, whiz-bang graphics, whatever. I think we've come down to the basics now. When it comes to filtering all the signals that come in, to me what seems to be used right now is just the urgency of now. It's now, it's new, it's unprecedented. In these times, in all honesty, I actually think that maybe the only thing that's unprecedented about the COVID season is not the disease because we've had diseases sweep the world before this. It's actually what's unprecedented is the fact that we have people with a platform without being able to authenticate whether they know what they're talking about or not. Everyone's got a platform. So what's unprecedented is not necessarily the pandemic, but the noise around the pandemic. And the only way that we're able to discern what what signals we want to bring in is literally the urgency of it. It's now. You'll miss out. Don't get it now. Now, now, now. And it's new. It's never happened before. It'll never happen again. Which is really interesting because what the Bible says and what the title of my new series is, is that there is nothing new under the sun. I want to read you a couple of verses. And then we're going to look at things that are maybe over in this series. We're going to look at things that we might think are new, but actually they're not new 
at all. So I want to read uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 and then I'm going to read from a different version, verses uh, 9 to 11, a few extra verses. But here's the, the essence of the thought. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes uh, 1, 1, 9-11 through 11 in the Good News Bible says this, What has happened before will happen again. What has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new in the whole world. Look, they say, here is something new. <laughs> but no, it's all happened before, long before we were born. No one remembers what has happened in the past. And no one in days to come will remember what happens between now and then. This is one of the sad facts about our human existence. At some point, we will be forgotten. And everything we do will be forgotten. And as a matter of fact, it's often been said that the mistakes of this generation are generally only because they forget the mistakes of the previous generation. If anyone remembered what war really looked like, no one would ever go to war again. But they forget. A generation forgets. There is nothing new under the sun. So I want to look at the first topic tonight. Here we go. Nothing new under the sun. Woke. Now let's just... We're going to start with some definitions so that we get on a similar page, okay, as we start. Uh, definition, originally this actually had to do with the African-American community recognising and beginning to sort of push back against equality and that goes back as early as the 1930s. The 1930s. Where, and it was actually just in folk songs where a particular singer sang a song about I done woke up to what's going on and I'm being oppressed and there's inequality. That's the actual origins of the term. Of course, it has been hijacked uh, as things tend to happen in our society and it now has a broader modern meaning. It's actually hipster lingo to be, for being socially aware. If you look at the dictionary definition of the Webster, it's aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Now, can I just say right from the out, out point, that is great. If you stick with the definition, it's awesome. We should all want to be woke. When you stick with the definition, the problem is the definition does not always reflect the practice in society of maybe wokedom or whatever we're going to call it, whatever track we want to go down. It's great when people become socially aware, inclusive and environmentally responsible. It's great. But when those and other qualifiers of wokeness, whatever you want to call them, become the filter for judgment on the legitimacy of other people's expression and belief, it simply becomes its own false religion. You go, religion? Like, no, we're talking atheists and stuff, believe that. No, 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 no. Everyone is spiritual. And if you don't worship God, you'll find something to worship. You'll worship money or you'll worship your own ideals, but you will worship something because everyone 
is spiritual. Okay, So uh, everyone's spiritual, even atheists. Here's the rush to be woke. We've got pressure in our world. Come on, are you feeling some of it? Pressure in our world, and there's just general pressure to rage against the machine. Whatever that is. I mean, I don't know. Can someone point to the machine? And some say, oh, it's Canberra, it's this or it's that, it's the capital city, it's the politician, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, social justice and just justice is a big, important, relevant issue. But sometimes I just see people screaming at stuff and they don't seem to even know what they're screaming at. The point of it doesn't seem to be the issues. The point of it seems to be venting rage. I'm so upset. But if you really talk to them about what, they can't even put their finger on it. They're just angry because it seems to be the thing to be. I don't want to miss out. (laughs) FOMO is driving everything. Fear of missing the moment. And so, uh, why not woke? Luke chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. Jesus also told this parable to people who were sure of their own goodness and despised everyone else. Once there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a religious guy. The other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed, I thank you. I mean, I thank you, God, that I'm not greedy, dishonest, or an adulterer like everybody else. I thank you that I am not like that tax collector over there. I fast two days a week and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even raise his face to heaven. But he beat on his breast and said, God, have pity on me, a sinner. I tell you, said Jesus, the tax collector, not the Pharisee, was in the right with God. And when he went home, sorry, when he went home, For all who make themselves great will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be made great. Here's some observations. If we're really honest, no one wants to be the Pharisee in that story. Come on, if we were called to identify with someone in that story, who do you identify with? It might be the only time in our lives as church-going people that we want to be the sinner. (laughs) it's like we own the sinner don't we it's like I am not like that Pharisee I would never judge people like that (laughs) I'm like the sinner I'm the humble one and we should identify with the sinner that's true but honestly where does our mind go when we hear the parable We are so tempted to scorn the Pharisee as lost, religious, hypocritical, legalistic, whatever, and fail to see the log in our own eye. That in itself is exclusivity, judgment, superiority. When we define who's in, who's out, even when we read that parable, it looks like Jesus is really clearly pointing to who's out, but just... Hang with me a little bit longer. There's a self-congratulating pride by identifying with the tax collector. 
Because we always, as human beings, it's just natural, we tend to judge people more harshly who sin differently to us. I've got a lot of grace for people who've got the same foibles as me because I can understand them. Yeah, Yeah, you're an idiot, mate. I know, so I'm always, so I I can sort of, you know, I can sort of, I can forgive you for that. Whereas someone else might look at the same person and go, that is just the worst behaviour. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to put, I'll defend them because I can relate to that. But someone who sins differently to me, my judgment tends to go up in harshness. I've got that area to, I'm not like that other person. I would never do that. And, uh, and of course, the tax collector, or sorry, the Pharisee is basically defining who's in and who's out. We tend to judge others to prop ourselves up. I'm not like them. I'm better than that. And we judge others who sin differently. But if we despise them, think about this. When we despise someone who just acts different to us, we actually become them. We become what we despise. That's exactly the point of the parable. Here's the Pharisee who's doing everything religiously right, but by judging in his heart, he's become the sinner. He's become the very thing he despises. So it's like becoming intolerant of intolerance. Wow, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? The sinner doesn't judge the Pharisee. Do you notice that? The sinner doesn't judge the Pharisee. He's a great sinner. Hey, he ain't woke. Because woke is the new righteous. Woke can be a Pharisee too. Just like the Pharisees, woke declares who's in, who's out, who's acceptable. And you think about it for our society, it does it with language. You can't say that. It does it with social connection. You hang around who? Who's your friend? It even does it with food. You eat what? Sorry, I do. I eat chickens. I know they're cute, but I still eat them. I really love chickens. But you know what? You know what Pharisees were? They defined all the rules. And they had rules around who you could hang around with. They were always accusing Jesus of that. They had rules around language. They had rules around food. Woke is not you. It's not you defining who's in and who's out on petty external things at times. And woke can be in the church. There's a new kind of woke going. And, uh, and it, it revolves around, like a, in America, it's called deconstructionism. Now, I am all for dismantling and looking at our faith and digging deeper into Scripture, making sure we get things right. I actually believe doctrine doctrine should morph over time. Otherwise, we're learning nothing about God. But there's this whole new thing, and it goes with like hipster jeans and beards and craft beer and whatnot. And it's about pulling your face and tattoos. And it's like, if you've got tats, hey, you're cool. And if you've got a beard and if you're hipster, it's all of that's good. (laughs) Unless, unless you're judging 
a previous generation, which somehow is called the church, but no one can really identify what that is. And I'll pull apart everything that's ever gone before while they stand on ground that was fought and won for them by previous generations that they now judge. Woke can creep into the church too. Woke is broke. It's morally bankrupt if it's just as nasty, condemning and arrogantly exclusive as the false religion and spirituality that it points its finger at. And I'm talking now of the current construct, not the roots. As I said, if you just look at the roots of where this come from, we should all be woke. But if you look at where it's going in our society, that's a different animal. That's about exclusion. That's about pressure. That's about conformity. That's about you'd better get in or you're out. Woke claims to be progressive but tends to devour anything in its path and anything that disagrees with it. It has a terrifying capacity to silence dissent and eliminate opposition. We call it cancel culture. There is nothing new about this. And the moment we say, I don't want to be like them or around them, we've suddenly become them. We're a wall builder rather than a bridge builder. So when I pronounce judgment on another person, not an idea, but another person, I'm actually pronouncing judgment on myself. We're we're called to judge ideas and love people. Not the other way around. What I see going with maybe the classic woke thing now is that you and the idea are not separated. And if I hate the idea, I hate you. And it's strange, but the church has struggled to get this right for years with certain people. And now the church is receiving the backlash of it, but actually the whole world is receiving the backlash of this. Woke ain't new at all. It's an old wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a belief in human goodness, the ability to save ourselves, that humans left to their own ways eventually become morally centred. Just leave us alone. Give us enough time. We'll work this out. We'll become morally centred. And yet history would tell us it's only a matter of time till some other dictator or despot or whatever rises up and commits a genocide. And you realise that actually left to ourselves, we don't get morally centred. Hey, in our society at the moment, we, have, we, we cannot actually call a human fetus a human fetus anymore. We don't know who are boys and who are girls anymore. That's the confusion we get when we decide to centre ourselves and I know that's not a real woke way of saying it all I'm saying and please I I want to accept everyone what I'm saying is we actually aren't even allowed to tell the truth anymore because of this oppression because of that being a real factor that each and every one of us are pushing against and it's not new Woke is anything but new. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees have been around since about 165 BC, which actually makes woke just in the Bible. It's about 2,186 years old. 
It's been around for more than two millennia, so it's definitely not new, and that's just the form Jesus confronted. So what's the alternative? Because there's a truth in woke. There's some, there's, justice must be done. Social equality must happen. These things are good things. So what is a different path other than just declaring, I'm woke and I'm going to go with that whole stream? Well, I'll ask this question. And I haven't had time to really bring this out tonight. I was going to throw some more scripture in, but my time's up. But what does a Pharisee and a tax collector have in common? When I look at scripture, what on earth does a Pharisee, this religious set apart, you know, they saw themselves as high and mighty and higher than everyone else. What does that person and a tax collector who was collecting for an oppressive, you know, occupying country for the enemy, they're collecting taxes from their own people so they were despised. What do they have in common? I'll tell you what they have in common in scripture is that Jesus had dinner at both of their houses. <laughs> Jesus was always hanging out with the wrong people and some of them were the wrong religious people and some of them were the wrong, you know, really a long way from church kind of people. And either way, Jesus seemed to be extremely comfortable having dinner and loving people in spite of what they believe, in spite of what side of the fence they came down on. To him, there was some, being woke was not about polarising people. It was actually about journeying people with people. It wasn't about setting yourself above people and taking the moral high ground. That doesn't help anyone. Being a doctor who loves the sick, that helps people. Taking the moral high ground, judging them, calling who's in and who's out, that's not going to help anyone. That's just going to add more pain to the world. And so here you have Jesus, the spotless son of God, always being accused of being in the wrong crowd. He was always hanging out with the wrong people. Now for us, as much as I want to say, yep, we should hang around with the wrong crowd, can I just put a qualifier on that? It's about maturity. It's about knowing where you're at in your growth cycle with God. Some of you might be too weak to hang around with the wrong crowd, spiritually. And here's the litmus test. Who's influencing who? If you can hang around the wrong crowd and yet your positive influence influences them, you're in a really good place. And if you're hanging around the wrong crowd and they're influencing you for the worse, then you need to get your tail out of there and grow up a bit in God first. Does that make sense? But either way, we're not here to judge. We're here to eat, whether it's with the Pharisee or whether it's with the tax collector. We should be comfortable with both and go on a journey with both and love them. We might not agree with their ideas, but we love the person. We love the person. There is a different alternative to woke. The point of the parable is not to beat ourselves up for being either a Pharisee or a sinner, but to maintain an outlook of humility, to journey with people. Jesus was regularly found with the wrong crowd. It's that simple. But if we can't get to a place where we can get alongside people that might be considered the wrong crowd without participating in their mess, then we're just, we'll never mature. I'm convinced that you grow up the most. I think there there's needs to be a few conversions. You know, you need to come to Jesus. He'll give you a brand new life and a brand new heart. Yeah. 
You need to come to Jesus. And can I say, you need to come to church even just for moments like this. You need to be discipled in that sense. But then you need to actually be converted back to the world. In the sense that now I'm an influence. Jesus called it salt and light. Now I can actually stand with and journey with people in spite of their diverse opinions and where they're at and, you know, in their lives or whatever and get right in the mess and be salt and light and help them journey towards Jesus too. Does that make sense? So there is an alternative. And so uh, how then, you know, when you talk about all this, how do we judge right and wrong? Because it almost sounds like I'm saying, let's not have an opinion on anything. Does it sound like that? It sounds a bit wishy-washy, doesn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, Jordan thinks. He's been looking at me. He's been giving me the death stare for the last (laughs) 10 minutes. He just thinks this is so weak. Please stay in the church just a bit longer, Jordan. I'll turn it around. So how do we judge? I mean, obviously, we've got to form an opinion. And I'm hoping we have a Christ-like one. But I think Jesus gave gave us really good instruction on how to get there, how to develop the right mindset towards other people that might not be like you, that might not believe like you, but you can actually recognise and love their humanity and go on a journey with them. And uh, it's right here in Matthew chapter 7. It's not new. Again, there's nothing new under the sun. Matthew 7, verses 1 to 5, Jesus says, Do not judge others so that God will not judge you. For God will judge you in the same way You judge others. Holy smoke, that's scary. Who wants to be a gracious person immediately? That should be enough to make us go, okay, okay, I'm not going to be enemies with anyone ever again. And that's what Jesus is saying. You'll be judged the same way. You'll apply to you the same rules you apply to others. Why then do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? How dare you say to your brother, please let me take the speck out of your eye when you have a, a log in your own eye. I mean, I love that language, isn't it? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'm just trying to get that speck, but I keep bumping you in the head with my log. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And he says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you'll be able to see clearly and take the speck out of your brother's eye. And and I guess the thought is this, that the only way to be truly woke is to work on yourself, not others. And it's amazing. Whenever I meet someone that I think is genuinely spiritual, genuinely trying to be like Jesus, they seem softer rather than harder. They seem to defer rather than be dogmatic. They seem to want to love for the sake of peace and staying on the journey rather than putting a... Like even now, even the vaccines driving Christians apart. That's insane. Whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed, that's just insane. Come on, we're not talking about whether Jesus rose from the dead. We're talking about something that none of us really could actually say we really, really know about because the water's that muddied out there now. Who'll know the truth? Maybe in five years we will. But right now we don't. Can we just admit that and walk together? Instead of putting a peg in the ground, I've got to be right. 
It's like, really? Because I've met people on both sides of that camp that are just as adamant. It's like, someone's wrong. <laughs> you can't both be right. Okay? Someone, and only time will tell. But I tell you what, time will tell. It always does. But true spirituality just takes a different pathway. It's a pathway of humility. It's a pathway that actually looks at yourself first. Because, you know, before I judge anyone else, I'm going to judge me. Before I make that post, make that comment, say those words, and then I want to bite them out of the air, it's all too late. The damage is done. Just go, why not look at ourselves first, really, really closely? Why? Why am I saying this? Why am I so angry? Why does that person who sins differently to me really upset me? Because maybe it's got more to do with me than with them. And I think that way we do develop a, the kind of genuine wokeness that can look at issues of justice. And it's, it's not with anger and it's not with a spirit of indignation, but a quiet determination to be salt and light to bring the change that's required in our world. And that is what Jesus wants us to do. But I, I just don't see anywhere where angry placarding Christians have ever really changed this society. So I've got a couple of questions. Are you okay? Did you survive the first one? I think I got that back around and landed. I'm not sure. But I tell you what, I love what our friend Shane Willard says. And I think if there's ever going to be a series that's like this, it's this one. And that is good sermons, good messages. They're, they're not to be agreed with or disagreed with. That's not the point. They're to be wrestled with. They're to be thought about. They're to be talked about with your friends. You know, even the Bible says no scriptures of a private interpretation. We encourage people for years to read the Bibles by themselves, and scripture doesn't do that. Jewish people read it in community. So, so it's not really for us to get form some big opinion. We should be talking. Well, I'm not sure I agreed with that. That's cool. Talk it out. Oh, I really love that point. Your friend might say, yeah, did you really? I hated that. Good, you'll, you'll probably come down somewhere in the middle after you've had a chat. And maybe there's a bit of balance in it. Here's some questions. What genre of person would I not want to eat dinner with? Come on, let's, be, let's really let Jesus do something in our hearts tonight. What genre of person do I really not want to have dinner with? Who am I looking down my nose at, in other words? Who am I judging as less than me? Not as cool as me. Not as in as me. They're different to me. They eat chickens. I hate them. I don't know. Hey, look, honestly, I think as a chicken eater, I should be happy to sit down and have a vegan meal with the vegan without paying out on their veganism. The way that I think they should be able to sit down with me and I wouldn't make them eat the chicken, but they shouldn't particularly judge me for eating the chicken either. Let each one be convinced in their own mind is what Scripture says. And anything other than that, we just become someone in the story that we don't want to be. Next question would be, is my trust primarily in my own ability to know and do what is right? I'm hoping this has rattled a few cages tonight. 
is honestly, we can get so enamoured with our own opinion. You know what I mean? I formed an opinion. And it goes from, you know, I had a thought last night, thought about it. I think it's pretty true. It goes from that in about 24 hours, it's God said to me last night. <laughs> and I bet I could find a scripture, you know, and you can. You know, the worst form of preaching is when people come to the Bible with a preset opinion. You can find, you can make the Bible say almost anything. I'm a preacher. I know I can make it say almost anything. But what you do is you go to the Bible first. And you form your opinions off that. Come on. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and He will make your path straight. We go to God first. It's not what the prevailing culture is saying and it's not what our own preferences are saying. Does it make sense? So where's my trust? And where am I journeying with people I don't fully understand and agree with? (laughs) Honestly, if we're living as salt and light, they they will be in our world. We'll be able to go, yep. I, I personally, I love my friends who don't come to church. I love them lots. They keep me real when they swear at me and do things like that. It keeps me real because you can be so insulated in church world. It's really, really great to mix with the salt, salt of the earth kind of folk that just say it how they, how they think it. It's like, that was good for me. Thank you for abusing me. I feel much better. <laughs> Am I determined to bring the light and love of Jesus to all the circles I find myself in? Not judgment, not criticism. Light and love of Jesus. Because I look at that parable with the Pharisee and the tax collector and the way he just, you know, flips things around. It's wow. Well, he just had a way of, of making everyone in the room except now it's only a parable, you understand that. He's telling a story. But he's making a point. So are we bringing the light and love of Jesus into every circle we come into? It's like, man, I don't agree with this. I don't see it the way they see it. But how can I bring the light and love of Jesus into this situation? God help us, hey.